0: From the very beginning, we have wandered. We have searched the world for meaning and a higher purpose. He is the answer. He is the way. He is the truth. And He is the life. Salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name oh well good morning good morning church and what a great day to be together it's Palm Sunday it's the beginning of Holy Week the most special week of the entire year for us who are Christ followers for Christ followers around the world as we journey with Jesus to the cross and we feel the weight of the price that was paid for us and then we come back next Sunday ready to celebrate, right, ready to worship and just give God all the praise and all the glory. So such a special, special week as we we're on this journey with Jesus in this Palm Sunday. You know, in our series here, we've been talking about, it's just Jesus, right? In our culture, Easter becomes about a lot of things like bunnies and eggs and, you know, all these kind of different things. But, but here at Rolling Hills, we want to say, no, Easter is about Jesus, I mean, he's the one who split history in two, right? He's the one who changed our lives. He is the one who has come into this world, into the brokenness, into the hurt, and into the pain. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is our redeemer and our savior. He is our hope and our joy and our peace. And we're here to worship him. And we are here to give him all the praise and the glory that he deserves. And so on this Palm Sunday, we just want to say all glory to Jesus. We've been in this great series. We see that Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And so a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Jesus is the way. And we saw, he said, I am the gate, right? That opens up. I am the way you enter into a relationship with God. It's not Religion, It's not tradition. It's not, you know, what other people believe. It's a relationship with God through Jesus. And last week, Pastor Chase did a great job talking about Jesus is the truth. And we live in a world of moral relativism. It's like whatever you wanna believe, right? But there has to be absolute truth. And Jesus says, I am the truth. (laughs) And I am grace that goes along with that truth. Praise God for that. And today we're seeing this. And Jesus says, I am the life. I am the life. And everybody who is living, we want life, right? And so many people run after the things of this world thinking they're going to satisfy or they're going to bring life. And and, and man, I'm going to be able to enjoy life when I get X amount of dollars in my 401k or when the kids are out of the house or when, you know, I get this job thing figured out. Then boy, oh yeah, it's going to be great. You know, but Jesus said, no, I want you to have life and have it to the full. I want you to have it now. I want you to live each day with life. And I love that we have a God of life and God who has come to us and God who meets us right where we are and says, I have more for you. I want you to experience my life. And Jesus says, that's who I am. And so this morning, we're going to see a miracle that Jesus did that shows us that he is the life. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to John chapter 11. New Testament, right, the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament all talk about Jesus, and they all kind of talk about his ministry, his teaching, and and how he was so radical, right? I mean, he's like, love everyone always, you know, And, and where the Jews thought it was about them, and he says, no, it's about everybody, God making a way. And so we saw in John chapter 10, now we're coming into John chapter 11 today. Now, if you don't have a Bible, we've got some Bibles for you in the back. They're free. You can take one. It's yours. Also, we'll put the scripture on the screen. You can follow along. If you have a mobile device, you can access the scriptures there. But pick up here, John chapter 11. It says, verse 1, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Here's what I want you to see is, this was a family that was really special to Jesus. I mean, Bethany's about two miles from Jerusalem. So Jerusalem, there's three major feasts every year where Jews from all over the world would come to Jerusalem to worship there at the temple. The city would swell to three to four times its normal size, right? It's like the NFL draft coming here to Nashville, right? I mean, people coming from all over, coming in to Jerusalem for these different feasts. And so people would camp out on the Mount of Olives. I mean, people would literally camp out there and then come in. Well, Jesus would stay a lot of times with this family, Lazarus and Mary and Martha there at Bethany, and so this is a family, they were special to him. I mean, they, they meant a lot to him. And, and so they send word, Jesus is off teaching. They send word, Lazarus is sick. And Jesus gets the word. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Now, if you're taking notes, here's some things that I want you to write down today, uh, because these are so important. Number one is this, Jesus' timing is not our timing. (laughs) This is a life lesson, okay? This is like wherever you are, as you continue to grow and mature spiritually, Jesus' timing is not our timing. I want you to notice this, that here we go. Notice that Jesus loved them, verse 5. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus loved them. I mean, they were special to him. And yet, Jesus stayed where he was for two more days. Right, he gets word Lazarus is sick, and he says, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. You're like, what? Well, what are you doing? I mean, I'm sure Mary and Martha thought, hey, Lazarus is sick. Jesus is going to drop everything he's doing, right? And he's going to leave and come right there. And yet Jesus stayed. How many times do we pray and like, God, do you see what's going on? Do you see what's happening in my life right now? Can you be here? Show up right now. I need you. But Jesus has a bigger plan than we can see. Jesus told his disciples, right? this sickness will not end a death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus is about the glory of God. And so he stayed two more days just doing something bigger. And in our lives, so often we pray, God, where are you in this relationship? God, I've been praying about this, you know, job. God, I've been praying about this financial crisis I'm in. God, do you see? God, do you care? He's like, oh, yeah. I see, I care. I do. Hold on. I believe God answers every prayer we pray. I really do. I believe he answers in one of three ways. Ron, he answers yes. We love that answer. Like, yeah, (laughs) right on, man. That's great. Sometimes the answer's no. We don't like that answer that much, Right. But being a parent, if you're a parent in the room, you know, sometimes your kids ask for things and you have to go, no. And it means you love them, it means you love them. But sometimes the answer is wait, hold on, you're not ready or the situation's not ready, why? Because I've got a bigger plan. I'm bringing glory to God, I'm doing something in your life, I'm doing something around you, I'm doing something that's bigger than you can see. So they called out to Jesus and he waited two more days, but skip over to verse 17. He does show up. He shows up, verse 17, not on their timing, but on his timing. And on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary... Stayed at home. Back then, when somebody died, they, they buried them that same day. And uh, you kind of know, I mean, the, the conditions there. I mean, they didn't want to leave the bodies out. And th- so they just, that same day, the body was buried. And most of the time back then, they would bury them in the ground. Or if you were wealthy, you would be buried in a cave. And, and, and so they, they would bury on the same day, but then they had 30 days of mourning. Family and friends would travel. They didn't have airplanes; they could jump on and be at a funeral in two to three days, right? They, they had to travel by donkey or by walking. And so people are coming from all over to mourn with the family. And so now Jesus arrives. It's been four days, and all these people are there. I mean, there is a big crowd coming from Jerusalem. This family was probably a prominent family. I mean, she obviously had money for expensive perfume. Uh, Jesus stayed there. I mean, people knew them, so there's all these people that are around and Jesus shows up and the word gets back and and Martha hears and and Mary kind of stays in the kitchen but Martha comes out right and she comes out and she says Lord Martha said to Jesus if you had been here my brother would not have died but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask Martha is the doer. She's the worker, you know. She's the one who's always setting up and serving and those things. And she comes out with a little bit of attitude. She, She comes out like, Jesus, where have you been? Right? If you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And then you can almost see her catch herself like, oh, wait, 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 wait. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. It's kind of this raw emotion like, oh, why were you here? Do you see what I'm going through? Do you see what I'm facing? Here's the thing. The call is to faith in Jesus. And, and Martha kind of catches herself and, and she's like, but, but I know you're, you're sovereign, you're in control, but how many times have we said this? How many times have we said, Lord, if you would have been here, if you would have been here, maybe my marriage would have been better. If you would have been here when I prayed, you know, maybe this job thing would have worked out. If you would have been here, maybe I wouldn't be in this crisis that I'm in now. Lord, if you would have been here, where are you? Jesus goes, I'm here now, right? Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. He's like, I get that. I mean, and, and I'm thankful for that. I know I'm gonna see him again. That's awesome. But Jesus, what about now? <laughs> Back then, women had very little rights. I just gotta tell you, hardly at all. And you can imagine Martha and Mary scared, worried, afraid their brother took care of them, provided for them, and now he's, he's dead. And Martha just going, where are you now? And Jesus, in verse 25, makes this incredible statement. I don't know if you underline your Bible or you highlight or you, whatever, but this is the underline, this is the highlight, this is the circle. Jesus said to her, "I am. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die." And then he looks at her and he says, "Do you believe this?" Martha, do you believe that I could take care of you? Do you believe that I'm enough for you? Do you believe really that I'm sovereign over all? Do you believe this? It's a call to faith. He says, I am the resurrection. Remember these seven I am statements that Jesus is declaring who he is as sovereign as the Messiah. I am the bread of life, John 6. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd, John 10. And now, John 11. I am the resurrection. But then he adds this I am the resurrection and life. <laughs> and life. And Jesus meets our needs in eternity, but also right now. <laughs> He wants us to be fully alive. He wants us to experience life now and life after. See, when we die, we don't move from life to death. If you are a Christ follower, if you're a believer in Jesus, you move from life to life. I mean, you just kind of like upgrade, right? You just kind of like, wait up, you know? He's like, I was life, but now I got real life. Now I got full life, no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow. And Jesus goes, yeah, and I want you to have that in the resurrection, but I want you to have life here now. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. She replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into the world. This is the confession of her faith, right? This is, the, you know, that moment in salvation as God draws us to himself and he says, who do you believe that I am? And here she says, I believe you're the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come. And after this, she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and and he's asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went out to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. (laughs) Same thing as her sister, right? Jesus, where have you been? But I love if you look at Mary, right? Mary is the one, she's always right there at Jesus' feet. Look at where she is. She fell at his feet. She fell at his feet. Do you remember right over here in verse two when John was talking about Mary? It says, this is the Mary whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Mary, she loved Jesus. (laughs) And she was at Jesus' feet in the good times and in the hard times. She was there. It's the call to faith, right? It's trusting Jesus in the good times and in the hard times. You know, for a lot of us, it's, it's easy to trust Jesus in the good times, right? Hey, woohoo, worship, it's awesome, you know, but, but then when the hard times come, are we still at his feet? Are we still bringing our requests? Are we still pouring our heart out? Are we still saying, hey, I, I don't care what anybody else does, I, I'm worshiping you. Sometimes, though, it's easier to be at his feet in the hard times, and when times are good, we kind of go do our own thing. Like, hey, I got this figured out. I'm good, God. You kind of hang out over there because I got my thing going, you know. And, and, and God's going, whoa, 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 whoa. No, I want a relationship with you. I want to be in every part of your life. And here's Mary at his feet, broken, weeping, scared, and afraid. <laughs> and when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then the shortest verse in the entire Bible. You want to do scripture memory right here. Two words, right? John eleven thirty five. 35, shortest verse in the entire Bible. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. But I got to tell you, it's one of the most powerful verses in the entire Bible. Charles Spurgeon preached two whole sermons on these two words, right? Jesus wept. And you think, why did he weep? I mean, why did he weep? It wasn't for Lazarus. I mean, Lazarus is up in heaven, right? He's having a great time. He's hanging out with Abraham and Moses. He's like, this is awesome. You know, it wasn't for Lazarus. In fact, Jesus knew what he was gonna do. Why did Jesus weep? He saw the hurt and pain that death causes. He saw the fear and the loneliness he saw these friends that he loved, Martha and Mary. It, it, when God created the world, God created life. God breathed into the dust for life. And things came alive, things that are alive from are God. And then in Genesis chapter 3, man sinned and rebelled against God. And, and what entered into the world was death. Now you got a holy God and sinful man. The death, and eternal separation from God, and it broke the heart of God. And Jesus sees the effects, and he weeps. But Jesus is like, no, I'm going to make it new. I'm going to make it right. And then he wept. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And Jesus is like, you, just, you think that was big? Just wait, you know? Like, you, th- you thought that was big in John 9? Hey, you just wait for here, John 11, because this is gonna get really big real quick right here. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. Take away the stone. Now, I want you guys just to think about this for a moment, all right? I mean, there is a huge crowd that is there at Mary and Martha's. And Jesus goes out to the tomb. The dude's been dead for four days. There's this big stone over there. Back then, you know, the wealthy, they would have, you know, this cut out the cave and they would put these kind of niches in there and you would have like places to lay bodies. This is like their family tomb. You would have a whole family that was buried there, big stone in front. And Jesus comes out and everybody's standing around. And he's like, take away the stone. What? No, no, take away the stone. <laughs> Are you crazy? Oh, yeah. He's been in there for four days. Jesus, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor for he has been in there four days. I love the King James Version. Martha goes, but Lord, he stinketh. You know, like, <laughs> that's what it actually says in the King James. They kind of cleaned it up in the NIV, you know, like, made it a little more proper, you know, like, hey, you know, what's going on? He's stinking, man. He smells. You can imagine. I mean, four days, right? And decomposition setting in. And I mean, he's like, are you sure? Pull away the stone? Yeah, pull away the stone. Back it up right there. It, what's interesting, too, if you go back in the Old Testament, you remember the Ten Commandments were given on stone tablets? Same word comes back, right? Take away the stone. Take away the religion. Take away the law. I am the resurrection and the life. Think about that for a moment. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. So Jesus prays. Right, not for his own benefit. He's like, I want to make sure that everybody knows this glory going to you, God. When this gets ready to go down, I want people to point to you. And when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. can you picture the scene? All these people standing around, all these mourners, they're crying, and all of a sudden the stones rolled away. And he says, Lazarus, come out. Now, it's important that he said Lazarus, right? Because if he didn't say Lazarus, all these dead people would be getting up. Like, come out. You have dead people walking around everywhere. It's like the walking dead, right? You know, it's like coming out over here. It's like everybody's around. He's like, no, you go back, you go back, you go back. You come on over here. Right? I mean, that's what we're seeing here. This Lazarus come out. I mean, wow. And the dead man came out. I love that they call him the dead man. The dead man came out. His hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I mean, can you picture this scene? Lazarus, come out. This dead dude comes like walking out. <laughs> and they're all going, what? And Jesus is like, yeah, take the grave clothes off. Let him go. He's alive. He's not dead anymore. He is alive. Wow. In verse 45, it says, therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. Well, no doubt, right? I mean, like, how would you not believe that? How would you not believe this guy who's been dead? (laughs) But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. And then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here's this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Whoa, 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 what? No, instead of believing in Jesus, we want to keep what's comfortable. We want to keep our temple. We want to keep our sacrifice. We want to keep our religion. We don't want to believe Jesus. We don't want to follow Jesus because he may cost us something Jesus goes, oh yeah, but what I'm going to cost you is way worth it. When you date down your life, you find life in me. Guys, get this. Jesus, he calls our name. He calls our name. He calls your name. I mean, Lazarus, Lazarus has been in the grave four days. Four days. Back then, the ancients believed that when a body died, right, their spirit would hover over them for three days. But then the spirit would leave. And it was in the fourth day that they were like really dead because that's when the decomposition set in. You see why Jesus was waiting two more days where he was? Jesus was making it really clear, hey, it's four days. It's four days. He's really dead. Jesus had raised a couple of other people back to life, but it kinda happened the same time, you know, the same day and people probably dismissed it and said, oh yeah, maybe they were just asleep, maybe they hit their head, maybe they passed out. But here, there's no denying the guy is dead. (laughs) The guy's dead and Jesus calls his name Lazarus. Lazarus, don't you love that Jesus knows your name? Don't you know that we have a personal God? We don't have some God up there who's kind of busy, preoccupied with everything else in the universe. We have a God who's intimately involved in our lives. Lazarus, come out. And then Jesus comes to bring life and freedom. Take off the grave clothes. Let him be free. And some of the people are like, yes, I'm gonna follow. And others are like, "Uh, I don't know. It's gonna cost me. I might have to be generous, <laughs> I might have to serve, I might have to follow, I might have to pray, I don't know, I'm gonna kinda of stay with my little deal over here, and kind of huddle in over here, Jesus is going, oh, come on, it's life! This is what I've called you to, this is what I created you for, I want you to experience all that God has for you. It's life. Guys, Jesus being life, Jesus being life means these things. Jesus being life means this. It means that he is greater than anything we face. He is greater than anything we face. Think about that for a moment. I mean, death, the big bully on the block, right? Everybody was afraid of death. Back then, the ancients were scared of death because when it was dark, I mean, it was really dark and they were scared, you know, someone's gonna get us and we're gonna die. There was just this fear and Jesus comes along and he conquers death. He says, this guy's four days, no, no." he's alive. What are the challenges or difficulties that you're facing? What are the things that you're thinking, I don't know if Jesus can handle this. I don't know if he can handle what's going on in my marriage. I don't know. I don't know if he can handle what's, what's going on in my job. I don't know if he can handle what's going on in my life. I don't know if he can handle my Fears and my worries and my anxieties I don't know guys Jesus is greater than anything we face he is sovereign over all here's a second one it means this there's always hope (laughs) there's always hope I love where Martha says you know if you had been here my brother would not have died but 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 wait wait you're here now and I'm gonna trust in you You're here now, and I'm not giving up. You're here now, and I'm not gonna walk away. I'm gonna hold on to you. Maybe there's an area of your life where you've thought about giving up. Maybe you thought about giving up on your marriage at one point. Maybe you thought about giving up on a dream. Maybe you thought about giving up, following Jesus and being radical. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. There is always hope. There is always hope. There is always life. God's not finished with you. There's still breath in your lungs for a reason and for a purpose. And God has a plan for you. You hold on to him. You trust him. God is using you where you are. Allow him to work through you. There is always hope. There's always hope. The third one, and notice this. He brings you alive. He calls your name. You know, as we look at this passage, you know what? We're Lazarus in this story. We are Lazarus spiritually in this story. Jesus is foreshadowing what he is getting ready to do at the cross, which is bring us life. If you flip over to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, it says this but because of his great love for us. Isn't that awesome? Jesus loves you. Oh, he loves you. And because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, our God is rich in mercy. some people think God is just like far off or there's other religions in the world that would say you know what the supreme being is unknowable or unapproachable not our God (laughs) our God is rich in mercy and he made us alive with Christ even when we were what dead in transgressions Even when we sinned, even when we blew it, even when we messed up. Hey, we didn't make ourselves alive. We didn't do enough good works to earn it somehow and brought ourselves back to life. God made us alive in Christ. It is by grace that you have been saved. It's not by works, lest no man should boast. He breathed life into you spiritually that you would come alive. Salvation. And then notice this. His work in you must result in life change. His work in you must result in life change. Here comes the dead man alive. And what does Jesus say? Take off the grave clothes. Take off the grave clothes. Let him be alive. Let there be life change. You guys, I've noticed a lot of times that there's Christians who are followers of Jesus and yet it's like they're still living with grave clothes on, right? They're still walking around with that old nature, that carnal man. They're still walking around with guilt and with shame and with regret. And you're like, man, that stinks. Get that off, right? Have you ever met somebody and they say they're a Christian, but man, they're the most negative person you've ever met. And you're like, really? I mean, there's supposed to be joy. There's supposed to be life. There's supposed to be peace. There's something in you. It doesn't mean we're perfect, but get the grave clothes off. And maybe you're here today and listen. You still got some grave clothes. Maybe there's bitterness. And boy, it's just eating you up inside. Maybe there's somebody you can't forgive. And you just walk around and it holds you back from being alive. It holds you back from having freedom. Maybe there's regrets in your life and you're living in the past and still living in the future. And living in the present with a Jesus who is greater. Guys, come alive today. Come alive today, spiritually, maybe salvation. Here today, I receive. But then, sanctification, that you and I begin to look more like Jesus, and you and I begin to experience life, both here and in eternity. That there is joy in our life, regardless of our circumstances, that Jesus is enough. And that the grave clothes come off, and that we go, yes. And we can see the beauty of a God who has saved us and redeemed us and restored us and who's given us so much. Who's met our deepest needs and who loves us. Praise be to God. We can imagine the groundswell right after Jesus raising a dead guy. all of a sudden this crowd is massive and Jesus' popularity is off the chart. And if you move from John 11 and you flip over to John chapter 12, what happens? (laughs) Palm Sunday, John chapter 12, a triumphal entry. Jesus comes into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. He doesn't come in on the back of a stallion saying, hey, I'm here to overthrow the Romans and return the Jews to a place of prominence short term. No, I'm here on the back of a donkey. I'm coming in peace to lay my life down so that all men can know God. So that all men can have a relationship with a God who is rich in mercy. So grateful, so thankful. He's fulfilling Zechariah 9 9 as he comes in on the back of this donkey and the crowds. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine Mary and Martha? They're telling everybody, can you imagine Lazarus? Like, I got to tell you guys, you know, for four days it was awesome. I was up in heaven, I'm hanging out with Abraham and Moses. We're just having a great time. And then they say, no, you got to go back. I'm like, I don't want to go back. You know, but they're like, no, you got to go back. And I'm like, Okay, so here I am, I'm back. I was dead. They're like, you were dead. We saw it. We went there. We had to visit, you know? And I mean, it is a buzz. And everybody picks up palm branches as Jesus comes in on this donkey and they start waving. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna. In the city, it tells us in Matthew, is shaken. People are like, he is the Messiah. But then five days later... <laughs> That same crowd starts to chant, Crucify, 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 Crucify. Why? Because Jesus didn't do it exactly like they wanted. Jesus had a bigger plan and a bigger purpose. Jesus was coming for salvation of our souls and for eternity. Are you part of the crowd? Are you a disciple? Jesus brought his disciples together on the night that he was betrayed and he took bread. And after he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, guys, this is my body. This is my body broken for you. Have you ever thought about that? Somebody died for you? I mean, literally gave their life for you. Paid the price that you should have paid. And after supper, he took the cup and he said, guys, this is, This is the new covenant, it's my blood poured out for you. Before, you were under the old covenant, right? When you sinned, you messed up. You were separated from God, but now there's a new covenant of grace. My blood poured out. Whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so this morning at the beginning of Holy Week, we join with disciples throughout the world who who are gonna come to a table this isn't my invitation or the invitation of Rolling Hills this is the invitation of God himself and I want to invite you to come and take a piece of the bread Christ's body broken for you and think about that personal for you dip into the cup his blood poured out for you and receive what only God can give salvation hope life Life. There's a gluten free table over here. There's tables on each side. There's two tables in the middle. There's two tables in the back. The table closest to you, maybe the one behind you. But I want to invite you this is a time with the Lord. As we begin this holy week, I want you to come to his table. And I want you to think about that question that Jesus asked Martha Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Is Jesus enough? for you. As you come to the table this morning, maybe it's a declaration of salvation. Jesus, I've been living for myself. I want to live for you. I confess my sins. Forgive me, redeem me, restore me. Maybe for you, as you come to the table, it's just a time to worship. God, thank you. Thank you for what you've been doing in my life, in my family. God, thank you. I just want to worship. Maybe this morning you still got some grave clothes on and you come and just say God I want to confess my bitterness or my resentment or my fear or my worry and God I'm going to leave it here because you are greater and you are life let's pray together Father thank you for your presence this morning thank you that you are here right now with us God you meet us in this moment and maybe for some it's It's a great moment. It's a wave the palm branch kind of moment. It's a blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord kind of moment, Father. And we just come with grateful hearts. And maybe for others, God, there's tears. There's worries, there's fears. It's hard. And yet, Jesus, you show up. And you're right here with us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And so, Father, we come to your table at your invitation. Do you believe this? Yes, we do. And we come. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we come to the table. Amen. You're invited to come and to respond to God's grace and his mercy.